Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from Pitcherless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is Cinco de Mayo. Happy Friday, everybody. And yes, we are going to talk about baseball. We have the Pitcherless meetup tomorrow in New York City, in Brooklyn, at the Commissioner, a wonderful bar on Fifth Avenue between Garfield and Carroll at 4 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow. I hope to see you there. You can meet a lot of Pitchless staff and community members. It's going to be a great time. I hope to see you there 4 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to f- find out more, just go to my Twitter at Pitcherless. It's the pinned uh, tweet on the on the timeline. Just come on by and say hi. It's a really, really fun time. Uh, if you're in the tri-state area, just try and come by 4 p.m. to about 7 or 8 as well. We'll be outside uh, it, it, outside the whole thing. We have these reserved tables and stuff. It's really cool. So uh, out in front. Going to see you guys there. Anyway, we're going to talk about yesterday's games. And oh boy, Eduardo Rodriguez just continued to dominate. Eight innings, zero earned runs, two hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. What is he doing? There are a couple things. One, the cutter is much better than I've seen before. 15% swing striker. It used to be like 8% swing strike rate. It's more as a called strike surprise offering. He's being more aggressive with it, and it's going super well for him. 70% strike rate as opposed to like the 16 change that we've seen in the past. He's using a lot early in counts now. That's really good. The four-seamer, oddly enough, isn't actually at its peak. It used to be, back in 2021, getting like a 15% swing strike rate. It's still around like 10% at the moment. But he's doing well with it, and that's really good. Hard contact is down to 18%, which is excellent. So what we want to see. And then the changeup, I've always talked about this. Changeups, you want to see low lock. You want to see like 100% low lock, and that's low location. He is at 92%, which is absolutely elite. I mean, seriously, we, we would see in the past 60 70%, which is very good. But 92%, he's getting that pitch down, essentially saying, look, either you are going to swing and get yourself out on this or miss, or it's just going to be a mistake, and that's fine. So he doesn't use it in, say, 2-0 counts or so, but he's very aggressive with it when he's ahead. You love to see it. Now, I don't know if there's if this is incredibly sustainable, because he's not getting those whiffs on the four-seamer. I think he's leaning a little too much on the sinker for those call strikes. It is 33% called strikes right now and that's not going to stick for Eduardo Rodriguez but still this is really really nice and I I kind of buy the fact that this cutter is better the change of command is there and he's limiting hard contact a ton so he gets the Guardians Pirates and Royals next I'm holding for all of those three I think that should be good if someone's trying to sell high on Eduardo Rodriguez and keep that in mind where he's a guy where people don't really buy it so if someone's trying to get rid of it completely, he's not gonna you're not gonna sell him for what his value has been thus far, right? That's just overshooting it. So if you can give something that's like your third outfielder for Eduardo Rodriguez, something along those lines, I would do that. I would I would think that you might be able to get something like that where someone's trying to cash out and they just like, yeah, sure, I need an outfielder and here you go. That might work. That might be something I'd be considering. But not like your first or second outfielder, that kind of thing. Zach Eflin went for the Pirates. He had a, his wedding ring on, which, which is silicone, and they made him take it off, which is so silly. 
Um, against the Pirates, he got the win. Seven innings, zero and runs, three hits, zero walks, 10 strikeouts with a 40% CSW. That was a King Cole yesterday in just 80 pitches, 13 whiffs here. His sinker had a 53% CSW. His cutter and curve are both really good. That's nice. He gets the Orioles. He gets the Yankees and Brewers next. Obviously, we're going to roll with this. He's not going to be that good. You know, Eflin's done this in the past where he has these like ridiculous starts with his sinker, and that's that. But he's not going to be this good. But yeah, this feels pretty awesome to have Zach Eflin at the moment. Lucas Giolito, is he back? It was a game against the Twins. Seven innings, one run, two hits, three walks, seven Ks. He had a gallows pull at 18 whiffs. So there's some really good things here. Fastball slider separation was amazing. He was really good arm side and up. So he was uh, jamming right-handers inside with that four-seamer all night. And then the slider was down and away perfectly. Like, it was a complete diagonal line separating between the four-seamer and the slider. You love to see that. However, the changeup was not good. It really wasn't. And the fastball's at 91.9 miles per hour. I could just be generous and say 92. It is more staggering to see that 91. And we want to see it at 93, 94. It was a big issue for Giolito last year. He had his slider and his changeup at you know, working well with high CSWs, but the fastball was the problem. Now, if Giolito has this command, though, it doesn't really matter that it's hovering 92. This is this is fine, but the problem is when Giolito doesn't have this command, does the four-seamer get hit more hard than this or harder than this? And does he have the slider command to match it? And the changeup wasn't saving him. So this was the, the peak of Giolito at the moment, right? This is the peak of... And the best he could perform without his changeup and while throwing 92. So that does make me a little concerned. But if this is what we get is a legit slider with really good command, then all right, I accept this, Giolito. But I can't push him up too far on the rankings because of this. Vince Velasquez against the Rays went three innings, one and run, two hits, one walk, two Ks. It doesn't really matter what the line is because he left the game with an elbow injury. He is optimistic that he's okay. It was kind of like a scary thing, and he's all right. I don't know. I imagine they're going to do some tests and figure this out. It could mean Luis Ortiz comes up in the place. I would imagine that would be the next call-up for the Pirates to replace Velasquez in this rotation. Luis Ortiz was someone that was a very interesting conversation uh, last year. We came up throwing Ched. We're talking like 99-mile-per-hour fastballs, but a lot of horizontal break that may be a little weird out because it doesn't get any whiffs. Now, it could mean lots of weak contact and a low hard contact um, situation, or it could be one of those that makes it easier. You know, is it getting enough horizontal movement that it's now going into the handle, or is it going into the barrel as guys are late? Uh, we'll see how that plays out. A really good slider. As long as he gets, like, look, if Luis Ortiz is a 50% slider guy with a 65% strike rate on it, then he should be really, he should be good enough. Um, but it is a Wascarinoa rule of like, how good is that fastball? If it's not elite, is it good enough? I don't know. He's not even up yet. So <laughs> this is all just me outlining that Luis Ortiz to me is not Bryce Miller. is not Mason Miller. He's not that category, right? Um, he might be a little bit better than Gavin Stone. Yeah, I really don't like Gavin Stone. Pablo Lopez against the White Sox. Seven innings, two and runs, six hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. You love to see it. 43% CSW on the curveball, 36% CSW on the sweeper, fastball was at 95, and he got called strikes and sinkers. He didn't have his changeup, though. Kind of funny. Haha, I'm laughing so hard. Kind of weird. He didn't get the win because life is dumb. It was against Giolito. 
But this is wonderful to see this from Pablo Lopez. And the fact that he didn't have his changeup and still was so clearly dominant. Yeah, 95 on the fastball. That, that's good. The changeup will come back. Patrick Corbin against the Cubs. He finally had it. It's a birthday party. We do not care. Uh, Brian Bale against the Jays. I'm glad that he survived and got the win. Five innings, 200 runs, but seven base runners, five Ks. I don't really think that he had his best slider or his four-seamers. Changeup and sinker did well. It was one of those starts where he threw enough strikes that it could go in his favor. You know, if, if balls found gloves, and they did. And that's and they did enough, and he was able to leave some runners stranded, and that's great for Bayo. But I'm not going to buy this right now, especially with Atlanta next. Uh, you have Justin Verlander coming back from the IL against the Tigers. He got the loss, but it was two runs, five innings, five hits, one walk, five Ks. And honestly, in a normal still ill situation, the fact that Verlander was a 120 whip with a 3.6 ERA and five Ks, like, yep, yeah, that's fine. Could have been better, could have been worse. You're fine with that. Sadly, he got the loss because the Mets just can't hit anyone. I mean, sure, it was Eduardo Rodriguez, as we talked about, but still, the Mets offense is struggling right now. George Kirby against Oakland got the win, but boy, this is this feels like why I'm just so concerned about George Kirby. Seven innings, three earned runs, seven hits, one walk, and two strikeouts. And what's really funny to me, I'm not even going to talk about the start for, for Kirby for a second. Looking at the Mariners pitchers entering the year, we knew that Luis Castillo was number one, but there was a lot of discussion about George Kirby versus Logan Gilbert versus Robbie Ray. And I'm just really frustrated because actually by the end of it, I think I was favoring Robbie Ray the most. And if he didn't have to get Tommy John, (laughs) he would be the best one. Um, Because George Kirby nor Logan Gilbert are taking the necessary steps forward in their development. And it's really frustrating. You know, George Kirby... One for 30 whiffs on the four-seamer last night. His slider got called strikes in a 47% CSW, but it's not a whiff offering. Nothing is in those secondaries right now. And I don't believe that George Kirby's really going to develop that this season. It's really hard to see that. There might be like some day in June where he's just like, aha, I've got it, you know? But it's really hard to bang on it right now. I feel like I've been waiting. So I call them Jerby. That is... Gilbert and and Kirby combined because it feels like they are the same in this way. But look, they're both going to be helpful for your fantasy teams. They're essentially Hollies. That is, they're like a Toby that could have like a 22% strikeout rate. Sweet. I hope he is. Maybe not a Toby, like two Ks in this one. Uh, It's just frustrating. That's all. I I, I just want them to be like, he has such a good foundation, George Kirby, with that four-seamer. And if only he you know, was able to get something else with the secondaries. I have other rants to have here. We're already past the 10-minute mark, so I think we need to take a quick break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. 
Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Wade Miley survived against the Rockies in Coors. Six innings, three and runs. You'll take a poor quality start from Miley in Coors. Eight base runners, two Ks. I think he's fine. He's essentially a Toby. Um, he's one of those, like, he's one of those guys where he has a terrible schedule right now. You don't want to touch him. But I make the point in the roundup that I say this all the time. Have faith in the waiver wire. Really. You're going to look at it on one day. You know, it's right now and you're like, ah, there just isn't anyone to pick up right now. And by the way, if you have nobody to pick up right now and you have these random starters, you're like, okay, I cannot hold on to Dylan Dodd if you picked him up for yesterday, for example. Then great. Then then go stash Bobby Miller or Matthew Libertor, you know, who could come up for Sunday. By the way, we don't know yet. They're saying that Stephen Matz might not go. And then Matthew Libertor, if he gets scratched tonight on Friday, then we know he's coming up Sunday. So that's a fun spec ad. If you have like one day's worth of ads and you're like, okay, I need someone. I have a spot for today and can like reassess this tomorrow. Just pick up Libertor and see what happens, right? But this is what I'm getting at is every week there are guys that will appear on the waiver wire. It just, you don't know what it is. Maybe it's someone dropped someone else and now they have a good schedule. Maybe it's a guy like Wade Miley who has a bad schedule now. And then three weeks from now, he has a good schedule. And then all of a sudden, Wade Miley is someone you want to pick up, right? This is what happens with the waiver wire. Keep the faith in it and keep going back to the well. It is plentiful. It is bountiful. It is a cornucopia of value and production if you know how to use it. And Wade Miley will be someone that you likely will pick up at some point this season. Speaking of Dylan Dodd, he had a very, very, very poor quality start. Essentially, after nine base runners, we had a V for every one. He had 11 base runners in this one, but cut the win against the Marlins with a, with 300 runs in six innings and one strikeout. How am I going to butter my bread with this? Oh, boy. Um, Dylan Dodd is not the guy we saw in spring training. What I saw in spring training was really good fastball command inside to right-handers with a slider falling off, which is very good against the lefties as well and righties, and then had this great changeup on top of it. And I was like, this is insanely good. Yeah, he just does not have the command of this right now. He just doesn't. So, yeah, we don't touch that. Jesus Lazardo was on the other side. While Fast sent me a 176 number. And I was like, what is this, Fast? What do you want? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, it's really hard to understand, the, you know, uh, to understand how bad the whip is. We have a whole thing with Jesus Lazardo. If you don't know this, um, I I went on the Fantasy Pros. This is one of my favorite podcasts I do every year. So it's, it's with Joe Pisapia and Alex Fast. We do this in the preseason. We do the debate show of starting pitchers. It's also the most frustrating one I do every year because I should get the point every time. <laughs> because, but the thing is, it's just like what what Joe decides in the end. Whatever Joe wants gets the point, and it's just like, well, I don't. But I'm right. <laughs> But anyway, no, um, it's it's really fun because I had Jesus Lazardo, I think, around like mid-30s in my preseason rankings, while Fast had him at 62. And I think that 62 is just so far in like not understanding the ceiling of Jesus Lazardo. And if you want to have him like in the 40s or so, like fine, I get it. Like you're saying, it's too risky, Nick. But I feel like at 62, it's just completely ignoring any ceiling that Jesus Lazardo has. And the fact that he, I think he has like a 25 or 30% strikeout rate right now with like an 8% walk rate. It's like, yeah, that's this. You understand it. He's had some tough matchups. Hasn't gone all his way. He had some sum in this one. Um, 
yeah, I, I understand that they were trolling me as well here. It's just frustrating because uh, I, I, I'm so competitive inherently. I'm like, I have to win this one. And like, I just feel like, what's going on here? How could you not acknowledge this? Um, you're just not understanding the logic anyway. Jesus Lazardo, hi. Um, 5.2 innings, 300 runs, 7 hits, 3 walks, 5 Ks against Atlanta, though. It's against Atlanta. That's a tough matchup. He's still at 96-97. You'd love to see that. Really good, really good four-seaman locations. I think the one of the biggest things I've really been excited about with Jesus Lazardo is the fact that he has this really good slider and changeup. And the biggest question has been the fastballs. And that four-seamer has really developed over the years. Now it's at a harder velocity, but it's spotted way better than it used to. And yesterday, the breakers, the the, the slider and the, the, the changeup, I don't know what to call it. It's really a curveball, but is it a slider? Whatever, it's the breaking ball. And the changeup are just not as good as we've seen. And that's it. But man, Jesus Lazardo to me, is a buy-low candidate. I, I guarantee you, he's not going to be number 62. <laughs> he's going to be much closer to the 35 or whatever. Uh, rest of the season. Um, anyway, Connor Siebold. Um, I hope you got the stupid joke I did, which I led it with a bold C <laughs> in the roundup. You don't want to go after him. Uh, Jameson Tyone against the Nationals. It was a still little situation. Three innings, 300 runs, three hits, zero walks, four Ks. I mean, I'll say it's a one whip in four Ks in three innings. Um, I like what he did. Uh, the cutter and curveball um, did a really good job being separate from the four-seamer. This looks encouraging. It's just a 42 pitches. So I don't know if the Cubs are going to really jump him up from here or if they're going to take it slow. So it's a little frustrating there, but good stuff there from Tyone. Um, Griffin Canning against Cardinals. Very disappointing. I thought he could do better here against a struggling offense. Five innings, five runs, six hits, three walks, three Ks. I did secure a win, but everything else is not good. He didn't have his good changeup. He went to the four seamer 41% of the time, and that is actually where some of the damage happened. Uh, this isn't it. Um, he gets a bad schedule, so we can return to the waiver wire uh, for something else in the meantime. Drew Rosinski, maybe at some point becomes a Toby, but right now you don't want to touch him whatsoever. Jordan Lyles, the same way. Uh, then you have these three ultra disappointing starts. Oh my. <sighs> this is a long podcast. I don't care. Um, what, who should we start with here? Okay, Kevin Gosman is the easy one. Whatever. It's stupid. It's dumb. He threw an 88-mile-per-hour pitch, and the next one was like 91-92. But 3.1 innings of 8 earned runs, 10 hits, 1 walk, 4 Ks. I thought we were past this. Got the loss, of course, against the Red Sox. Very, very frustrating, but, like, just keep moving on. You know? It is what it is. You move on. It's in the past. It should not be replicated. Again, I know it was twice now, but it should not be. Let's go with Jack Flaherty against the Angels. 10 earned runs as well. 10 base runners, 9 hits, 1 walk, 2.1 innings, 3 Ks against the Angels. Flaherty's a cherry bomb. Now I, I, now seeing the velocity back down to 92, I'm like, well, now I can't buy this. Now I can't believe that like you are consistently at 93, 94. And it just means I don't know what you're going to do. I really just don't know. And as the Cubs and Brewers, and even though like one of those should be good, I can't put myself in harm's way. So, Flaherty, you're falling back down. And even if you do well in the next start, I'm not going to buy it now. The trust has been severed. And then Grayson Rodriguez, man. If you heard Fast than me talk about this, obviously, it's, I always try to egg out, like, uh, or eke out takes about Orioles players from Fast. It's always very entertaining because he's so obviously passionate about it. And he tries to hide his bias as much as he can, but then also it's just really fun. To hear him rant about him. And Grace Rodriguez had this great start against the Tigers. 
a wonderful one. Nine strikeouts and five innings. And we were expressing our distrust of it, right? We weren't thinking that this was him breaking out. We we saw those changeups were not very good. We saw the fastball command wasn't there. We saw the breaking balls weren't really good, but it all worked out. Like you can have poor command, but the balls land where they are in good situations or good placement, which is why I, you know, a lot of stuff about like intent is weird. It's not always like that, but that's why you want to focus on intent. Anyway, uh, 3.2 innings, six earned runs, eight hits, one walk, three Ks for Grayson Rodriguez here. He was pitching down the middle against the Royals. Everything was just down the middle. He's not ready. Um, I, I I was hoping it was early jitters and he'll find his footing and he'll have that start that gives him the confidence and everything. He'll find the secondaries staying down. And really, I mean, Grayson Rodriguez is made to do the Blake Sale blueprint. It's not even close. He can't do it. Now he gets the Rays and Angels and Jays. I don't want to start him. Um, and... It, it treat this like a prospect stash for July for June first at this point. So if you want to do that, that means a bench spot for the next month. I think the Orioles should put him down to AAA. He really needs to be showcasing his command again, and they say, "All right, we're going to give this another shot." And I actually, I don't know. I feel I'll feel more confident in Grayson Rodriguez when he actually. If he goes down to AAA and then comes back and has success, that's when I'll be like, okay, Grayson Rodriguez is here. And I think other people will be like, I don't know. I don't really buy it. But like, no, if I see that in that first start returning, that's when I'll be excited. But I feel like the Orioles should be demoting him. And uh, if there's anything interesting on your wire, if you're, like, you're thinking, oh man, it's I need a start for Sunday, but I can't get rid of Grayson. I'm telling you guys right now, you can get rid of Grayson. It stinks. I hate it. To, I hate to say it so much. But it's the Rays, Angels, and Jays next, and I have you can't have faith that all of a sudden it's going to click in next time. So it's it's really really tough. I'm seeing in Twitch chat someone just dropped Grayson for Mitch Keller. Yep, I know I, I just said that, but yes, for Mitch Keller it makes sense to me. So looking forward to today: Clayton Kershaw, Corbin Burns, Max Fried, Luis Castillo, Zach Wheeler, Christian Javier, Hunter Green, all clear auto starts. Justin Steele, Justin. Steal against the Marlins, of course. Jordan Montgomery against the Tigers. And Hugh Darvish is going today, not Joe Musgrove, because Joe Musgrove needs two days because of a blister on his foot. Uh, and you, yeah, Darvish performs well or not, regardless of opponent. Uh, probable start tier, Chris Bassett against Pittsburgh. You have Kodai Senga getting Rocky Road. Lance Lynn, Chris Sale. I understand it's like these veterans. Like, what do we do with them? Like, I think you just keep starting them. Um, Josiah Gray goes against Merrill Kelly. I think honestly, both of them could do very well here. And Bailey Ober is our stream pick of the day against the Guardians in the probable start tier. Questionable start you have start you have Sean I think this is like the beginning of the trend upward for him against the Brewers, but still questionable start. You probably want to see it once before believing in it. Um Edward Cambrera, I don't trust the command against the Cubs. Bain Badfield could have his cutter, but these are all really, really questionable ones now. Um against the Twins. I that's Badfield against the Twins. Eh. Matthew Boyd, I don't like that he doesn't have a slider against the Cardinals. You have Brad Keller against the Athletics. You have Tyler Anderson, but he gets the Rangers to destroy lefties. Actually, not destroy lefties. They're above average against lefties, but they're not, they destroy righties. Um, Dane Dunning on the other side of that could make it work against the Angels, but I really don't want to do that. And the Do Not Start tiers, Callum Muller, Rich Hill, Dean Kramer, all bad matchups, save for Muller, but it's Muller against the Royals. Uh, Johnny Brito against the Rays, no thank you. Sensatella returning from Tommy John and Yanni Torinos. I don't want to do any of that. 
I have Sensatella above it just because it's the Mets and the Mets have been so bad lately. Tomorrow's, you have Spencer Strider, Sonny Gray, Drew Rasmussen, Nick Lodola, and Logan Allen all in the auto start tier. Yes, Logan Allen against the Twins. I feel like if you have Logan Allen, you're going to do it. Probable start tier, you have Drew Smiley against the Marlins. I like that one a lot. Uh, Brady Singer, I know he's been a cherry bomb, but it's Oakland. You got to do it. Nathan Eovaldi against the Angels, a little bit tougher of a matchup there. And Alex Cobb against the Brewers. I think all of those are pretty clear starts. Questionable start tier is Blake Snell, D- Dustin May, Reed Demers, all against tough matchups of the Padres, the Dodgers, and Rangers, not respectively there. I I kind of want to do it anyway, but I get if you don't want to. Uh, Tyler McGill against the Rocky Road is uh, my stream pick of the day. I want to say all of those can be grouped in with Sean Manaya, and then Edward Cabrera uh, is at the bottom of that, and then it's Payne Battenfield, etc., uh, in the questionable relative. Um, Mackenzie Gore also is definitely questionable, right, with the Sean Manaya stuff. Then it's a big gap, I think, between those guys and then the do not starts. And there's so many for Saturday. I really want to avoid all of this. This is just all so shaky and bad. Jose Brios against the Pirates. No, thank you. Domingo Herman, tons of strikeouts. It's against the Rays, and I just can't do that. Uh, Yohan Aviedo against the Jays. No, thank you. Colin Ray against the Giants. No. Spencer Turnbull, ugh, J.P. France. Who is J.P. France? He throws four seamers and cutters. Four seamers, not an elite, an elite pitch. Cutter's really good. It could work with some Houston Magic over five innings. It's an MLB debut, though, so I'm instantly already out. And two-pitch pitcher without it being an elite four-seamer. At least this is me reading the tea leaves of Savant um, through his AAA data so far. I'm not a big fan. Um, but I could be very wrong. All that fun stuff. It's the Astros. They always just pump out these amazing guys, right? He's not Hunter Brown. Um, JP France. Bleh. Adam Wainwright's returning from the IL. And he, okay. In AAA, I, I looked at his recent start. Think about what you know of Adam Wainwright. Think about like, how does he, what is his approach? And you're going to look at it maybe on our Pitchless player page because you'll see all the fun stuff you want to see in every single pitch. If you're not using our player pages to look at pitchers, I don't know what you're doing. I literally made them to make me a better analyst because all the other pages that we had are just not as good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Adam Wainwright, lots of cold strikes on sinkers and then has his big curveball, right? What Adam Wainwright did in, in his last rehab start was 15% fastballs. That's including four seamers. And went slider first, which essentially is this cutter, I guess. Sliders, changeups, and curveballs, like 70%. What on earth? That's not Adam Wainwright. Maybe actually 75%. I, I was in shock. Is this the new, what he's doing now? Which makes sense because it's a bad sinker. Oh, man, that's that's really interesting to me. I'm curious what we're going to see against the Tigers. But, like, it's a still ill. You can't do it. Marco Gonzalez against the, the Astros. I like his command, but it's... The Astros, you don't want to chase that. Ken Waldachuk looked better last time, but you don't want to trust him. It's against the Royals. There's like an outside chance that works. But no. Um, Bailey Falter against the Red Sox. I don't want to do that. And Corey Kluber against the Phillies. And Clevenger against the Reds. And Great American Small Park. No thanks. Austin Gobber could make it work against the Mets. You have Kyle Bradish against Atlanta. Such a cherry bomb against a really good offense. Brian Hoeing against the Cubs. And Tommy Henry against the Nationals. Like All of these are just ugh. So I don't want to do that. So there you go. That is it. You get an extra long one for today. Come to the meetup. I hope to see all of you. Come get PL Plus and PL Pro. That'll be wonderful. We're actually going to do a really fun thing on Twitch today. Uh, is We're actually going to be giving away a free subscription to PL Pro to our Twitch chat. They don't even know. We're doing it today. For everyone tuning in 
I, I, it's just a massive appreciation. So you should be there too. Twitch.tv slash Petros. You never know what you're going to see if you come onto that stream at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so come on by uh, week every weekday morning. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your bow be low and your strike outside.